All right, good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, I want to make you aware of something that we're going to do next Sunday immediately after worship. So next Sunday, October 23rd, after the closing prayer, we're going to have a 10-minute meeting. Uh, we're going to go over finances. I promise some of you are looking at me. The last meeting we told you about, it was longer than 10 minutes. It's going to be 10 minutes. Uh, we're going to do some finance, talk about finances. We're going to update you on our search processes and update you on the vision plan. It'll be 10 minutes. It'll be an opportunity if you have some questions in that setting, you can do that as well. So think ahead if you have a question and we'll answer those. Uh, there'll be a few elders and myself up here on stage to address those issues, but that'll be immediately following worship on Sunday, October 23rd. So hopefully you can stay for just a few minutes after worship. I'm jumping into the series, uh, back into the series, come to the table by talking about the uninvited. I, I share a lot of stories from my life about being a, a parent, being a dad. I love being a dad. I love being a parent. But there's nothing that scares me more about being Judah's dad specifically than this. It's not jumping off of stuff, breaking limbs. It's not even running with scissors. Those are occupational hazards in our household. Come prepared if you want to hang out. But what scares me more than anything, and I'm going to set up a scene for you, it's a weeknight, we're, we're sitting down at dinner, you know, there are no iPads, no phones, everybody's like, oh, dad, you're great, and, and we're just having a good dinner, and then there's a knock on our door, and I'm like, oh, that's strange, this is a, a weeknight, a regular night, and I go to the door, and there's a mom and her kid, and she says, we're so excited that little Johnny gets to spend the night with you guys, because Judah's invited him over after school. We are not prepared for this. We don't know who little Johnny is. How long is Johnny staying? What is he doing here? Judah invites people constantly, all the time. That has been one of the hardest things for us as parents going to school is informing Judah, hey, we need to talk to their mom or dad. We need to kind of arrange things. They, we don't really just want a stranger kid getting in our car after school. Like that's a, you know, we're going to meet the cops if we do that. But he does that all the time. And I love that in his heart, he just wants to invite people. He wants everybody to be with him all the time. But as a, a parent that plans, oh, my anxiety goes up when he does that stuff. When all of a sudden this kid's coming down the hill with him at school, and I'm like, is this kid, does he think he's coming with us? Like, I don't know this kid. I've never seen him before, Judah. The funniest time that he's ever pulled that stunt is years ago we were in California, and we were at a playground, and this dad walks up to us with his daughter. And we're like, oh, stranger danger, who are you, sir? And he walks up and he says, hey, uh, I just need you guys to know that if that's your son, he's inviting everybody back to your hotel because you guys have a TV with cartoons. And, and I will agree with Judah. Hotel television is the best television. It is better than television that we have in our homes. But Judah was just going around this playground in California being like, guys, there's a TV at the Marriott. Come on down. And he was just like, I just want you guys to know that, that like, if somebody figures out where you are staying, like, they're coming over to watch that TV, you know? And, and he does that again constantly. And it's something that it's exciting as a parent that he just, he loves people. He wants to invite people. But it also brings me a lot of anxiety because there are weeknights where we are not prepared for uninvited guests. We're not ready for those situations where somebody shows up unexpectedly and we have to pretend like we don't have kids that live in our house. You know, like, oh, this house is clean all the time. You know, like, we're, we're not ready for those things. And so when people show up unexpectedly and maybe in social situations in our lives, we have to figure out how is Jesus calling us to respond in those moments? 
Are we called to tell somebody, hey, not right now. This isn't a good time right now. Or are we called to make those situations work and figure out where Jesus is leading us in those moments? Now, Luke records a story that is kind of in the same direction as I'm going with these Judah stories this morning. But it begins in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, on a surface level here, this is your standard dinner party. There's nothing really out of the ordinary yet, right? This is a, a gathering to honor Jesus. Likely at this place in Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees are, are, are wanting to welcome Jesus, maybe ask him questions, get to know him a little bit about this Messiah that we've heard a lot about in our community who is welcoming people, he's changing people's lives. They, they want to sit down and, and talk to him. It's, it's not necessarily malicious. It's more of a, an informative process. And you can kind of see this scene, right? I think we have a picture here of how they would have sat. There would have been a, a lightly elevated table, and they would have been sitting in this Hellenistic style of, of leaning on your side, using an elbow to kind of keep you up a little bit. One of the things I think we can learn from this is the importance of feet away from the table. As, as, again, an individual with two small children, it's always a great reminder that feet are not welcomed at the table. And in this style, in this, this way of eating dinner, especially in this Hellenistic way, the feet would have been facing as far away from the table as possible. And so you're, you're kind of maybe seeing this dinner scene being placed here. Jesus would have been an honored guest. He would have likely been on the, kind of that right section there. Everyone's attention turned towards him. And this dinner party is probably going as planned. They're asking Jesus questions. They're asking him his thoughts. Uh, what is he doing? Who do you believe in, Jesus? Kind of explain yourself. This dialogue is going well. They're eating food. And then all of a sudden, like, a disruption happens. And the dinner party, that, that knock on the door that I described is one of my biggest fears of Judah's dad. That feeling of something in this room has just changed. Because in verse 37, it says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, we'll stop there for just a moment and break this down because there's a lot of layers to this story that we can often overlook that help explain what's happening here and why this is difficult and challenging for everyone. But going, going back to that text real quick, it says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. Think about that for just a moment. This is her identity. This is how these individuals, the Pharisees, choose to mark this woman as a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. Let's get that text right back up, Miles. Perfect, buddy. <clears throat> Learned that Jesus was eating in the Pharisees' house. Now, culturally, there would have been kind of rumors and talking that Jesus was having dinner with these people. It would have been known amongst this community. And so her showing up is not necessarily a surprise because Jesus' popularity is on the rise at this point. People want to be around Jesus. They want to connect with Jesus. They want to ask Jesus questions. But what's interesting here in verse 37 is that she's known as a woman who lived a sinful life. Luke doesn't give us that sin. A lot of biblical scholars will tell you that she was possibly a prostitute, someone that lived that kind of lifestyle. We, we don't know. But they knew. And that's how they identified this woman. The second that they laid eyes on her, they knew this is, this is so-and-so. This is who she is. This is what she does. And beyond those identity markers, they knew that she was uninvited. 
And that picture that, that I showed just a minute ago, just, it was men in that table. It would have been unacceptable for a woman to even be at this table. And you see this woman that, that comes into this house and she also has something too. And I don't know if, how you handle uninvited guests. Sometimes it makes it better that they bring something. Sometimes it doesn't, uh, depending on, on what they bring with them. But here in this story, it says she, she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. The jar itself was very expensive. It wasn't a cheap purchase. It would have been something that took her a while to obtain. And likely the perfume inside of the alabaster jar was, was nard, and let me just tell you, like, you're going to know when you smell nard. Um, and, and so it's, it's, a, it's a dominant smell. It would have changed the dynamic of the room, even if they could have potentially ignored this woman for a little bit. When she opened that alabaster jar, they would have said, something has changed in this room. The smell, the dynamics, the social kind of elements of all of this that's happening the room has changed. They're no longer just at a dinner party the way that they had planned. Now they are dealing with somebody who is uninvited and unwelcome to their table. Now, if we can go back to that picture one more time, Miles, there's a decent chance that she's able to gain access to the house based off of how they're setting. Since their attention is towards Jesus, everybody's body is facing Jesus, that she could have maybe come into the house discreetly and then found herself at the feet of Jesus. We don't really know. We know that she would have known Jesus was there. But what I see in that element is that she's willing to do whatever it takes to get close to Jesus. And often, uninvited people will do that. They will do what it takes to gain access to something that they know can change who they are. In this moment, in this scene, this woman has heard enough about Jesus to say, I'm going to go beyond the social cues. I don't care if this is awkward. I don't care if this is weird or unacceptable to the guest. I've heard enough about Jesus that I have to be around Jesus. In verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Again, you're seeing a lot of cultural things happening that often don't happen in our culture. I haven't been to a dinner party in a long time where somebody weeps this way and then cleans somebody's feet with their hair. If you have, I'll be up here after church. I want to know about it. Let's talk. But this is something that in this culture would have been somewhat acceptable, washing someone's feet. We've seen this all throughout the New Testament. This is common. But using your hair is not common. It would have been socially unacceptable for this woman to let her hair down in this manner. But also look at how she's responding to Jesus. She's, she's weeping. I've wondered all week why she cries the way that she does when she meets Jesus. Because up to this point, there's no dialogue. I mean, maybe she's heard a little bit of the, the conversation that Jesus has with those individuals who are invited to the table. Maybe she's overheard a little bit, but for the most part, she's coming in late, uninvited, unwelcomed, somewhat unseen as well. And she just, she just weeps. I mean, there's a, a human element at this that pulls at our heartstrings, especially for people who don't feel like they have a place, 
who don't feel seen, who don't feel welcomed in these moments of opportunity to connect with the Messiah. So she pulls her hair down. She, she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair and she pours perfume on them. See, this is something that they would have done in this culture. Though she's uninvited, she's doing the tasks of somebody who would have been hospitable. So there's a little bit of a role reversal that's happening here because we're gonna see in just a moment that the Pharisees didn't do this. They did not welcome Jesus in the way that this woman is welcoming Jesus, even as somebody that's uninvited. And so at this point of the story, we, we kind of have to ask ourselves, what would we do in moments like this? Where someone shows up uninvited, unwelcomed, you don't have a chair, you don't have a plate ready for this person, what are you going to do? How would you respond in this moment? And to illustrate that, I found a story that, that I really love about a, a grandmother and a random person she texted. You've probably heard this story, and maybe you've seen it. It comes up really around Thanksgiving. I've got a couple head nods, so you guys know where I'm going with this. But every Thanksgiving, there's a, a grandmother in Arizona who has Thanksgiving lunch with this kid that she accidentally texted. I think Miles has that video ready for us, and let's go ahead and play it, Miles. I like that I have a new friend. Um, of course, not new anymore. It's, uh, you know, four years old. Yeah, this is truly the story that just keeps on giving and you can't help but smile. It was back in 2016 when Wanda Dench sent her grandson a text just to invite him over for Thanksgiving, or so she thought. That's because she accidentally texted the wrong number, which went to teenager Jamal Hinton. Yeah, you guys remember this. It totally went viral. And then the two kind of talked about it. They laughed. They decided to celebrate Thanksgiving together that year and every year since. Brianna Whitney was there with them this evening and found Lots changed since this all happened years ago. There we go. <laughs> Four years of <laughs> laughing. Yeah, all people do that. No. Love. And most importantly, well, I'm going to keep this. Thank yes. you. Oh, you're it very welcome. It will be in my apartment. All right. Unexpected and unconditional friendship now preserved in a scrapbook of their own. I just feel my life has been enriched since he's come into it. Wanda and Jamal are now a household name across the nation, all because Wanda accidentally texted him instead of her real grandson four years ago to come over for Thanksgiving. That text exchange went viral. Well, I got 600 text messages that night because he didn't block my phone number off of Twitter. But no hard feelings. <laughs> this whole book is yours. Yes. Of course. Because it was the best thing that could have happened. Yes. Strangers starting a new tradition. Now anything but strangers at all. And while that first year doesn't feel like so long ago, so much has changed since. Jamal met his girlfriend. <laughs> and she's been at the last three Thanksgiving gatherings. We actually just moved into our first apartment yesterday. And Wanda was a grandma before, but now she has a new title. I actually have two great-grandchildren. That's pretty awesome. Time has changed technology too. Having to help her with every single thing with, that she needs with her phone. Like I literally had to hook up her and her husband's phone like six months ago because they didn't know how to do it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we had new phones. Their selfies now taken in portrait mode. 
something they didn't have years ago. And Jamal kept his promise from last year. He and his girlfriend's family cooking this Thanksgiving, so Wanda didn't have to. Yes, that's the best. <laughs> Things change. That was the best. It was a great day. Like. Years pass. But the longer time goes on, <laughs> the closer this modern family gets. In Mesa, Brianna Whitney for Arizona's family. So I found that video to be like heartwarming, right? Like it's, it's an accidental text message. She thinks she's texting her grandson. A random person responds like, can I get a plate? And then years later, they're still doing this tradition of getting together every Thanksgiving. And it kind of made me think like, how would I respond if, if that happened to me? Would I just shut the conversation down or would I say, oh, you know what, like this is wild, come on, we've got a chair for you, we've got a plate for you. And this story here in Luke 7, it, it forces us to think about how we respond to those individuals that are uninvited in our lives. Do we make access for them or do we deny access? As the story continues, we see how the Pharisee responds. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Just let that sit for a moment. Because he's seen everything that we've just read. A woman who for the first time has access to the Messiah, who weeps at the sight of Jesus who washes his feet with her tears and uses her hair to dry his feet, uses the, the most expensive item that she likely owns to add perfume to his feet. Do you see how the Pharisee responds? His first instinct is to, one, point out that Jesus may not even be a prophet. He is spending time with him. He's eating dinner with Jesus. But his, his first response is that deflection to say, okay, if, if Jesus was really a prophet, he would know who this woman is. He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. He refuses to welcome her. You can hear the language of you are not invited to this party because of who you are, what you've done, how we've labeled you. You do not have access to the Messiah. And so this parable happens where Jesus decides to talk about those who have debts. So it's two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon, who is at the party, replies, I suppose the one who had the beggar debt forgiven. We get this, right? Like we understand the language, we understand where the parable's going. But for the first time in this story, Jesus is using a parable to say, take a step back and look at this scene. Do you understand what's happening? Do you understand not only just the social cues that are happening, but also the the forgiveness, the grace that is about to be extended to somebody and how they respond to that. And the language gets a little bit stronger as Jesus moves forward in verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? As I studied this text this week, this was the line that just kept 
coming to the forefront of my mind. There's, there's a part of this, as I tried to explain, that maybe Simon could not actually see the woman. He could have heard her. He would have smelt the perfume. But maybe, just maybe, Simon Peter didn't see this woman. Maybe he just heard it. But do you really see what Jesus is asking Simon Peter? This is a deep question. It, it's not just a, do you physically see this woman, Simon? Jesus is saying, do you value this woman? Do you see her more than her sin, than the baggage that she's brought into the scene? Do you see her? Do you care about her? Will you make space for her? Will you be willing to look past what she's brought in, the, the sin that you guys are identifying her with? Will you look past those things? So Jesus is asking, do you see this woman? And then he turns the table as all good dinner guests should. He says, I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put the oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As great as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. You can almost hear a pin drop at this dinner party. The scene has been incredible from the beginning. From the moment that this woman enters the house, the dynamics of this dinner party have changed. Because it wasn't what they had planned to talk about. I promise you that. I promise you that when they had invited Jesus to this dinner party, they thought they were going to have Bible nerd conversations the whole time. It was going to be a blast. But then all of a sudden, somebody uninvited shows up and disrupts their plans. And now they have to talk about real issues that are right in front of them. How are you treating people? How do you see people? How do you welcome people? These issues that Jesus is presenting here change everything. Because if we're willing to, to welcome the uninvited, our tables get a little bit bigger. You may have to go find another chair in your house that doesn't look just the way it would fit around your dinner table. You may have to start using paper plates because you need more. You know, I don't know. But do you see what happens when uninvited people get access? The reason I love that video is because the next year, he was like, well, I'm bringing my girlfriend to this. And I guarantee you, if you're willing to welcome the uninvited, they will realize that they have access and that they will make more access for others too. And Jesus closes the scene in verse 48. Then Jesus said to her, do you see the, the physical redirection? He's talking to Simon and now he's, he's paying attention to her. He's locked in. Your sins are forgiven. Four words that I promise you changed this whole person's life. Up to this point in the story, this is the first time that she's kind of given direct visual at this point. The whole scene has turned towards her. Jesus is talking to her. Everyone is looking at her. And Jesus' words, your sins are forgiven. Probably the first time that she's ever felt, felt that weight lifted off of her. 
Um, You can almost see this symbolic chair coming to the table and providing room for somebody who was not welcomed, who was not invited, who did not previously have a place, but all of a sudden that your sins are forgiven is that feeling of making room for somebody, kind of the parting of the Red Sea, making sure that someone has access. Then the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This week, my hope is this. I hope that Jesus puts uninvited people in your lives. I hope that you have an opportunity this week to make space for somebody who previously did not feel welcomed. That somebody shows up in your life that maybe disrupts your schedule a little bit, but you have that moment to say, you know what? Okay, I want to make sure that you have a place at the table. Because at one point in all of our lives, we were uninvited, but somebody made room for us. Maybe it was somebody that poured into your life when you were a student. Maybe it was somebody later on in your life that showed you that Jesus has a bigger purpose and plan for your life. But somebody made room for you. And so this week, my challenge is to make room for others that God puts in your life. Let's stand and sing together.